This is The Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, getting a lot of great response from recent episodes. Really appreciate those who have uh, been willing to give that response, and thank you so much, especially to Angela, for coming and helping me with the last podcast. Today, on this episode, we're dealing with a topic that has been a struggle for Christians since the very beginning of the Christian movement. That question that we're wrestling with is, how can you live for Jesus as a part of an unbelieving family? How is it if you have a relationship with Christ that you can continue to live out that faith passionately, live out that faith with joy, even if you're consistently or constantly surrounded by family members, those people you love the most, who do not share your faith in Jesus Christ. If that's where you are today, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not the first person to wrestle with this. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul dealt with it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In this passage of Scripture, Paul deals with marriage. And so, if we go back and we read, beginning in verse 1, he says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's a lot, right? Um, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. He goes on, he says, the woman, or he, he speaks about how marriage is spiritual warfare and husbands and wives should maintain their relationships, even their, their sexual relationships, because that is a, a healthy, important, integral part of marriage. Um, to the unmarried, he says, hey, if you can stay the way that you are, that's great. Uh, to the married, he says, hey, don't separate. Um, but then we get to verse 12, he says, to the rest. He says, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So primarily what he's saying is, believer, if you're married to a non-believer, do everything you can to maintain that relationship. Understanding not only that you have a marriage bond, but also... As a believer, you have a missionary opportunity. And the longer that you are in that relationship, the greater opportunity you have to see your spouse come to Christ. It's not just Paul. Peter says some things similar. Um, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, Wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So we see Paul and Peter in the very early church writing to believers about how it is that they should carry themselves when they find themselves as a part of families that are not made up all of believers. Now he's dealing primarily, or, or both of these men I should say, are dealing primarily with husbands and wives, but the same truths apply whether you're a spouse or a child or you're a parent. Our goal as believers 
in unbelieving households should be to live our lives in such a way that we can influence our family members toward Christ. So we've got to work diligently to that end. So that's where we begin. I want you to know that you're not all by yourself. And the Bible has instruction for you. I want you to know that you're not the first believer to wrestle with this. And so if that's where you are today, just be encouraged. You're not all by yourself. But but it can still feel so incredibly oppressive. And because this is a question that's come up a lot, um, I, I wanted to address it specifically. As a matter of fact, it's, it's come up so regularly that when I asked for suggestions about potential podcasts, several people have come to me and asked me to deal with some of these questions related to how you can be family members living for Jesus inside of an unbelieving family. One of the questions was this, how should teenagers deal with the disappointment of a non-Christian home life? As a, as a church family, we have the opportunity to see a lot of, of young people coming to Christ. And unfortunately, some of those young people are coming to Jesus and their, their parents are not following suit. If you're one of those teenagers and that's where you are, I just want to encourage you to continue to live passionately for Jesus in your home. Continue to do all that you can. You, you're not going to be able to force your parents towards Jesus. Um, but if you live your life in such a way where you're honoring your father and mother as the Old Testament commands and you're seeking to honor Christ with your life, then you've got an incredible opportunity to influence them toward Jesus. Now, this can become a little bit challenging because if you're a part of an unbelieving household, there may come times when your family members are encouraging you to make decisions or choices between your Christian commitments and maybe commitments as a family. What about a family that's made a decision to spend the next four Sundays at the lake or the next four Sundays at particular events? Or you guys, matter of fact, we had some friends in the church some years back. They had a regular weekly family dinner with extended family members, and it it took place at a time when their family, or excuse me, the family dinner took place at a time when our church had a weekly service. And for a number of years, this couple tried their best to balance. And finally, they had to, to look at their family members and say, we love you, but we want to raise our children in the church. And as a result of that, this particular time, it was like a Wednesday night, this particular time is just a time that we can't do a family meal. We could do it some other time, but on this night, we're going to have our kids at church because we think that's important. Now, that's a little different when you're talking about being outside the home. You've grown, you've, you've flown the coop, and, uh, and, and you're trying to establish your own family patterns. But what about when you're inside the home? It's one of those times when you're probably going to find yourself needing to try to have conversations with your parents calmly, you know, with, with respect and kindness, and just to say to them, Mom, Dad, these are things that matter to me. I understand that a church commitment is not a priority for you, but it's a big deal for me. Is there any way that we we could negotiate here, that I could find a way to honor my commitment to Christ and still honor you? Understand that you're trying to live with your parents in an, in a, in an understanding 
way. You also continue to have a responsibility to submit to their authority, to obey them in their home. So don't feel like that um, when they're putting you in a difficult position and trying to make these decisions, that somehow or other you're letting Jesus down. Um, A promise that he is on your side as you're seeking to honor him. And when you find yourself in the middle of two complicated decisions, just give it to the Lord. There may be times when you're going to the Lord and saying, God, I I love you and I desire to honor you, but your word also urges and commands me to honor my father and mother. And I'm trying my best to find ways that I can honor them and honor you and do it all at the same time. Um, so there's just going to be some some wisdom. But I just encourage you to speak to your mom and dad about that. Help them to understand that you have a desire to honor them. I had a, a young person in my office not that long ago, and this person said, I want to honor my parents, but I don't believe that the things that they're asking me to do fit within God's standards and expectations for my life. What should I do? Well, my encouragement was very simple. I said, just talk to them. Sometimes we've got teenagers in particular who assume that they know exactly what the outcome is going to be. They assume that they know exactly what mom and dad are going to say, and as a result, they just don't say anything. Y'all open the door for conversation. Uh, A question, what realistic expectations should I have for my non-believing family members? So maybe this would be, If you're a grandparent, what realistic expectations should you have for your non-believing grandchildren? Or if you are are a, a believing teenager, what realistic expectations should you have for your parents? Well, I I, I don't mean this to be um, short-sighted or unkind, but we should not be surprised when unbelieving people act like unbelieving people. And it doesn't matter if it's our mom or our dad or our children We should never be surprised when our parents or our kids or our grandkids who have not made a relationship with Christ a priority in their life do not make Christian principles a priority in their life. So a realistic expectation should always be that non-believers will act like non-believers. But you should be able to expect, however, that the people that you love and who love you in return would be willing to respect would be willing to respect your commitments to Christ. Again, respect is a two-way street. If you want them to respect that commitment to Christ, you've got to be willing to explain it to them, to talk to them about it, to let them know that as much as you love them, you love Jesus more. And that relationship with Jesus has changed your life. And you desire desperately for that relationship with Jesus to change their life as well. But even if they're not open to that, You've got to ask them to at least be willing to accept where you are and to honor that. Um, (laughs) This one's hard, and we kind of dealt with it already, but how do you honor the Bible by obeying your parents when they don't have the same goal or purpose that you do? Um, Dealt with that already a little bit, but I just would encourage you to continue to take that to the Lord and to trust Jesus speaks of God as our heavenly Father. And he says, if, if even earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more our heavenly Father? Listen, you can trust your heavenly Father to love you more than you love yourself, 
to love you in ways that are far greater and better than you could have ever anticipated. I appreciated uh, one of our other pastors preached here on Father's Day. I was out of town seeing uh, a close friend of ours get baptized, and I appreciated that as a part of that sermon, uh, Pastor Buster said, nobody's pulling for you more than God is pulling for you. And he's talking to fathers. He said, God desires to see you be successful as a parent. And, and, and listen, if you're trying your best to honor God and honor his word, and you know that part of honoring God's word is to honor your father and your mother, when you're doing everything in your power to honor him and to obey his word, you're carrying that and laying it before him. I, I, I just can't help but believe that that God who desires to see us successful spiritually so much and to see us so so made right with him desires that so much that he would send his own son to die i can't help but believe that that god is willing to see your efforts and your desires and to meet you halfway and to help you to get where you need to be so continue to take that to him uh one of the other questions that comes up and, and this one is um it's not not so much a question but um, it, it's, a, it's a reality for, for folks, and I see it as a pastor a lot. Sometimes um, people can feel like, um, let me just put it this way. Uh, some, some, somebody said this, and I feel like sometimes my family feels left out or unincluded from the family I found at church, despite the fact that I've invited them to come with me many times. It's like an unspoken awkwardness about the whole situation. As, as a pastor, I've seen that. And it's it's heartbreaking, right? Um, you you get to know maybe a, a a mom and the children, and then one day down the road you meet the husband, and you know so much about maybe these kids. Maybe you know a lot about the mom. Maybe you've heard about this husband just because mom and kids have talked about him, but you don't actually know him at all. And you can see the awkwardness as this guy shows up maybe to a church event, and he sort of stands off in the corner. Uh, because he doesn't have those relationships, and it's it's awkward for everybody involved. It's heartbreaking for the spouse because they so desperately want to see their husband in that particular situation to to have the same kinds of relationships and to same have the same kinds of of, of friendships within the church, and they can experience the same sort of closeness. But w- what do we do with that? How, how do we address that? I, there's a tension there that we're just not going to be able to get around. And that's just a reality. There's a tension there that we're not going to be able to get around. I, I think that the first step is to make sure that you're constantly saying to those family members over and over and over again, I, you're always welcome with me. I want you to be a part of that. The other thing is if you get them to come with you, let's just say you get them to show up at church, don't leave them when they get there. So this can be a real challenge. You've got your family, your church family. They're like your closest people on planet Earth. You're so happy to have them. You show up at church on Sunday morning, and you look up, and and in the back door walks your wife. She's unchurched. She's rarely there. Uh, She comes in, and you've already got sort of your church community. Listen, when you see that spouse, you need to make a beeline to that person, and you don't leave them. If you're a teenager listening to this and you've got unchurched parents, it goes double for them. If you get them to show up on Sunday morning, then when they get there, here's where you need to be right beside them the whole way because they're intimidated when they walk in the door. 
They're intimidated because you are so incredibly comfortable and loved and welcomed, and they're sort of a stranger in that place. You need to be walking with them, holding their hand if you can. I mean, almost like that. And you're just becoming their greatest, their greatest cheerleader, their greatest advocate. You're introducing them to everybody that you know. Because what you're saying to them in that moment is, I love you, I'm not embarrassed by you, and I want you to be a part of my life in this particular space, in these particular relationships. I want you to be in all of these situations. Um, I, I, again, it's it's not just teenagers. Uh, I, I hear this from a lot of our teenagers, but I see this with married couples. We, we had a, a guy that visited here one time, and he desperately, at least appeared to desperately want his family to be involved in the church. Uh, but the problem was his wife was just not interested. She was really not open. And they bounced in and out for a while. And unfortunately, he didn't stick with it. And uh, and as a result, I don't know if, if anything ever came from that. Flip that around, however, we got another guy. Um, that showed up here uh, years ago. Family was unchurched. Wife was not all that interested in being in the church. She'd been hurt in the church, and she was just kind of burned out. But he was burdened. He was burdened uh, for his family. He was burdened for his children, burdened for his wife. And he knew God's word, and he knew that he needed to be in the church, and he knew they needed to be in the church. And he finally decided that he was going to come no matter what. If they, if they didn't want to be there, that was fine, but he was going to keep showing up. He was going to keep inviting them. He was going to keep loving them. He came to me. He said, would you pray for them with me? And so we began to pray together. And it was was a labor of love. And over time, what I saw happen is that as that man continued to love his family well, and as he continued to seek Christ with his heart, and as he continued to pray for them, over time the Lord began to soften their hearts initially, and then, and then eventually to work in their lives and to turn them toward Christ. As a result of that man's efforts, his wife and his grown children are now plugged into the church. Uh, some have been baptized, and, and they're growing. Well, that took place because there was a guy who said, hey, I'm going to continue to show up even if they're not going to be there, and I'm going to prioritize these relationships with them and the relationship with the church, and I'm going to continue to tell them just how incredibly uh, important it is for them to have those relationships not only with one another but with a church so that they could be growing in Christ um, because it's just me, this is a relatively short podcast today, uh, but I just want you to know more than anything else, more than anything else, that if you are a believer today who's struggling with unbelieving family members, you're not all alone. And I want you to know that there's hope. I can introduce you to people who prayed for their spouses for 50 years before they came to Christ. Those people exist And the fact that you've been in the church for two years or five years or ten years and you've not yet been able to lead your family members to Jesus, that does not mean that you won't get there. It doesn't mean that they are beyond the saving grace and the saving ability of Jesus Christ. So I just encourage you, if you're one of those people living in that difficult space, keep trying. Keep praying. Keep working. Make sure that you're loving people 
as Christ would have you to love them. Remember, right, we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. The second is to love our neighbors ourselves. And your closest neighbors are the people that you're, you're committed to or related to by blood. Love them well. Don't allow your faith to become a point of contention. Don't fight with them over it. I promise you, you're, 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 you're probably not going to lead them to Jesus that way. Okay, uh, especially if if you're 15 and you want to see your you know 40 year old dad come to the Lord, I want to see him come to the Lord too. But you're 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 not going to get him to Jesus by fighting with him. It may be that you've got to talk to Jesus more about him than you even get to talk to him about Jesus. Well, I promise you, Jesus wants to hear that. So go to the Lord and pray for your parents, pray for your children, pray for your grandchildren. But please don't give up. Please don't give up. It's never too late to start following the Lord, and it's never too early. Uh, so don't quit. Uh, don't, don't walk away. Listen, there's struggles living in a non-Christian household, without a shadow of a doubt. And it is not the way that God intended it. God, God's intentional desire is that we would all be in relationship with Him, relationships that are, that are unencumbered by sin with one another. But, of course, sin has distorted all of that. Until such time as we see all these things made better, made right, made perfect in the return of Jesus, we got to live in the tension of a broken world that includes broken families and broken relationships. So you continue to be that missionary in your home. You continue to trust in Jesus to do what Jesus does and continue to lean on your church. I should, I should have probably said that to begin with, right? Lean on your church family. Go to them. Include your life group. That's what we call our small groups here at Malvern Hill uh, or other close friends at your church. Ask them to be praying for your family members by name. And you don't stop praying. You may just discover, you may just discover that the God who hears our prayers will be faithful to answer those prayers as you continue to work diligently to see your family come to Jesus. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.